Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, here we go. That's the way it's going to be. Thursday on the morning show with Preston Scott. Good morning. That is uh, Grant Allen over there in Studio 1 AM here in Studio 1B. It is uh, Thursday, January 28th, show number 4397, day 9 of the siege. And so we begin with uh, Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand firm. You really ought to take some time and study a little bit about the uh, armor of God. And as you do, remember that Paul's writing on this is within the framework of Roman armor, which is the obviously the preeminent force in the world at that time. <clears throat> Rome really revolutionized warfare. From a physical perspective, they just changed things. Armament, weaponry, tactics, and so forth. And so the imagery that Paul uses is with that in mind. Anyway, it's a, it's a really good study in Ephesians. But that feeling that many of us have, that feeling is this present darkness. That feeling is a spiritual heaviness. And the only way to punch through that is with spiritual weapons. You start there. That's why, you know, I admonished everybody at the beginning of the year as this thing unfolded, meaning the new direction of the country, that uh, we need to first pray and ask for wisdom, seek God, Humble ourselves. Seek his face. If we're falling short in our lives, turn from that. You know, one of the things that we sometimes lose sight of is, look, we all fall short. We all make mistakes. We all have a random thought or something like that. We just, you know, we mess up. Hopefully, though, it's not a pattern. Hopefully, it's not you're continuing to do something over and over and over that you know is wrong. When you're you're in that position, you're putting God to the test. You're testing his grace. You're testing his mercy. But one of the things that 
is really, I think, important to remember is that when we make a mistake and we live in that, our prayers just kind of bounce off the spiritual ceiling. They don't get to God because sin separates us. It doesn't it doesn't end our relationship with God. If if you will, it would be like we're separated from fellowship with God. You know, if my kids move across the country, they're still my kids. If my wife goes to Ohio to see her family, she's still my wife. The nature of our fellowship changes because of distance. Sin places distance between you and God, between me and God, and it ends our ability to have fellowship with him. It does not end our relationship. You don't have to put Jesus on the cross all over again. What you do is you correct the problem. You you accept forgiveness. You forgive yourself sometimes. And then you change. You repent. You go in an, a different direction. That's where we find ourselves right now. We need to first spend time humbling ourselves and seeking God's face and turning from our wicked ways, our shortcomings. And then we can have some fellowship with God and maybe get some direction. Ten minutes after the hour in the morning show with Preston Scott. Everything you need, truth and entertainment. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Eleven minutes after the hour, it's the Morning Show, January twenty eighth, eighteen seventy eight. The first commercial telephone exchange is installed in New Haven, Connecticut. Appropriate. Connect. Huh? Huh? In Connecticut? Not really. The, 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 the way you spell Connecticut is you, you write connect. Connecticut. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make any sense the way we pronounce it, Connecticut. We, we drop the C before the T. But it's, it's connect. How ironic that in 1878, the first commercial telephone exchange was installed there. 21 subscribers with eight lines. And so they were connected in Connecticut. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be at the Mirage all week long. Uh, 1915, Congress creates the U.S. Coast Guard. 1917, sorry, one year later, Louis Brandeis appointed to the Supreme Court by Woodrow Wilson, becoming the high court's first Jewish member. 1934, America's first ski lift opens in Woodstock, Vermont. Tow rope pulled by a Model T engine. Someone's car broke down or something, and there was an engine laying around, and some enterprising guy said, you know what we could do? Huh? Huh? That's American ingenuity. No way. That won't work. You watch. It'll work. 
And then this. 1986. Engines throttling up. Three engines now at 104%. Challenger, go with throttle up. Challenger, go with throttle up. One minute, 15 seconds. Velocity, 2,900 feet per second. Altitude, 9 nautical miles. Downrange distance, 7 nautical miles. And that happened. With family and friends and, of course, the staff watching and America watching. Challenger disintegrated. That still, to me, is one of the most horrific things. The controllers here looking very carefully at the situation. Obviously a major malfunction. As he's talking, the crew compartment is falling to the ocean intact. One of the things that was determined by very, very high-end cameras, and some of that footage is out there, some of those photos are out there, is, you know, everyone's eyes were drawn to the rockets that went off in different directions after the explosion of the main fuel tank and of the, uh, the, the shuttle. But the crew compartment was made in such a way as to be whole and to withstand something like that. However, they didn't think about putting a parachute or anything, any way of allowing them to try to get out. They know that some members of the crew were alive as it impacted the ocean. And so they free fell that that from that altitude down and there are photos of the crew compartment intact after the breakup starting to arc and tip down and it's just surreal to see maybe one of the most compassionate and appropriate speeches I've ever heard President Ronald Reagan in the hours following the death of those killed in Challenger. 73 seconds after liftoff. Ah, the things we've seen. But then every generation can say that. 16 minutes after the hour, it's the morning show with Preston Scott. FLA. On your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. Yes! And iHeartRadio Station. Just looking at a story here with uh, former NASA astronaut Dr. Story Musgrave, who was, I believe, a surgeon as well as an astronaut. And he was interviewed about Challenger, and he said, yeah. He said, they died when they hit the water. Um, They did confirm that several of the air masks were deployed, which indicated that uh, most of the astronauts on board Challenger were aware of what was going on and had deployed their, their backup oxygen. 
they have evidence that the pilot attempted, I think Dick Scobie, uh, attempted to pilot the thing all the way down, not knowing that, the, that everything was gone behind them. But, um, yeah, just uh, a horrific tragedy in our, uh, in our space program. But it, it is part of what comes with the territory. And what's remarkable about that story, which I remember pretty vividly, is it was 100% avoidable. NASA was warned about the O-rings and the problems with cold temperatures. And they took off with those O-rings at a temperature that compromised them. And only when the explosion happened and the disaster took place and the astronauts were lost, did they then go piece by piece through what exactly happened? And and they saw that as they fired up the engines on the launch pad, there was a puff of smoke from the failure of the O-rings. They Even then, if only they could have just stopped it right there. If only they had paid attention to the warnings that they were given by some of the engineers in the program about those O-rings that specifically warned them. They thought the risk was acceptable. Another tragedy I'm staring at here is, um, listen to these words, a second police officer who responded to the U.S. Capitol riot has died by suicide. I didn't know about the first. This officer worked for Metropolitan Police, not the Capitol Police, but responded to the riots. And so the acting chief, Robert Conti, detailing to House Appropriations Committee kind of what happened, upset with the fact that the, I guess, the U.S. Army is responsible for the D.C. National Guard. I don't honestly fully know how that all works. I, I didn't know that the National Guard was part of the Army. I thought it was an affiliate of, but again, you know, I'm just showing my ignorance on that stuff. But in the in the discussion of the suicide of a metropolitan police officer that responded to and was there, he announced that Capitol Police officer died by suicide on January 9th, three days later after the event. Now, there are a lot of things floating around about this, as I have I've learned. There, there are a lot of theories and ideas. One theory out there is that this just once again shows the forces that are on law enforcement right now in our country as a result of the false narrative of Black Lives Matter and, you know, the Michael Brown case, and and I mean, it, it it's as if the truth doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that multiple investigations, including one by Barack Obama's Justice Department, revealed the actions of the police officer in the Michael Brown case 
were 100% justified and appropriate, and that Michael Brown was responsible for his own death. It doesn't matter. That truth doesn't matter. But right now, we have a real big problem in our country, and that is the pressures being exerted on law enforcement officers. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, men, women. The other narrative that is out there is that perhaps Capitol Police assisted in some of this by opening doors and and making gates available and directing people that they knew to areas that they could gain and and breach the Capitol complex. I I don't know what the truth will, will... I don't know if we'll ever know. But it's a tragedy, no matter what. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, what happened at the Capitol was wrong. 27 minutes after the hour, it's the morning show with Preston Scott. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Does this without caffeine? The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Thirty-six minutes after the hour of the Morning Show with Preston Scott. Good morning. In just a few minutes, I'm going to play something that it's it's not going to be very clean, and I can't tell you that I know exactly what's said on it. But I can tell you what it's not, and you're going to be fascinated by it and maybe a little horrified. Just stay with me. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Biden administration considers mandatory COVID tests for domestic air travel. Bye. (laughs) I guess that you would either be tested at at the terminal well, it's going to have to be one of those quick five-minute rapid tests, right? And we all know the accuracy of testing in general, let alone the five-minute jobs or whatever's out there. Yeah. I, I just, if you want to kill the industry, go right ahead. I mean, right now, the mask mandate is doing it for a lot of people. A lot of people just, that's why RV sales are exploding. Because people just don't want to deal with the hassle. Certainly there's some that believe there's a, a health risk to traveling and and uh, and and therefore they're just not going to do it with or without a mask. Some people aren't going to do it because, you know, I would be one that would be a little frosty 
wearing a mask that long. I just, I, I just, I no, I, I, you know, I, not going to do that. Just not going to. We're 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 not meant to do that. You know, for all the surgeons out there, well, I've done it for years. Well, good for you. Human beings aren't meant to wear a mask. Simple as that. I absolutely believe without any doubt or 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 shred of of concern that if we went to a pattern of wearing masks most of the day for the rest of our lives, you would alter our ability to fight infectious diseases that we would normally be able to fight and build up immunity to. There's no doubt in my mind. We're not meant to do it. But that said, the idea now of mandatory testing, I, you know, doctor's note, okay, what, what kind of doctor's note? I just see this as an absolute mistake waiting to happen, but it looks like it's coming. And Joe Biden signed 37 thus far and counting executive orders. This is the same guy that admitted back in October that anyone who legislates by executive order should be considered a dictator. That's that's a fact. That's a quote. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. But it's like anything else. Nancy Pelosi, the... People's Act or whatever it is that they're pushing through to try and change elections, claiming voter suppression was at work in the last election and wants to get rid of dark money. Joe Biden set a record for dark money, outpacing Donald Trump by a massive margin. And Nancy, this is typical, though. Anyway, among his executive actions, banning the term Chinese virus or China virus. It's now banned. And he set up a committee, according to uh, CBS and NBC, to, um, to go through any documents of the Department of Health and Human Services to make sure any xenophobic references like China virus are scrubbed from existing policies and directives or government websites president of the united states 40 minutes after the hour we come back don't miss it don't miss just don't go away the news first the morning show with preston scott on news radio 100.7 WFLA. Okay. This would be close to being trapped on a hot mic. Now, let me say up front, I don't I don't necessarily know that the people, for example, guy filling in for Rush yesterday, what Tom Herman maybe is his name. Tom Herman was uh the head coach at Texas. Yeah, but I think that it's either Todd or Tom Herman or oh, something gotcha. like that who uh, um, who fills in for Rush from time to time when Mark Stein's not available, uh, even when Mark Stein is available. I mean, Mark Stein's fine. I just I, – small doses, small doses of Mark Stein. Uh, but I think he's very funny, but I think he's got a shtick that only goes so long, if that makes any sense. It's kind of like there's just so much cheese you can eat. You know, after a while, cheese is just too much. 
And so that's that's to me Mark Stein. I love cheese. I love Mark Stein just so much. Herman, and I, and and forgive me for not knowing his his first name. Does a really good job. I think he's a really bright guy. He said something though that got me digging yesterday, and it was about Joe Biden being caught on hot mic signing an executive order saying, "What am I signing?" And someone saying, "Just sign it." And so I found it, and Biden's wearing a mask, and it's a hot mic, meaning the media's in there, but he's not mic'd up, and so it's it's muffled. So we've done a little scrubbing, and, and so you're going to have to listen closely, and I'm going to tell you what I think. I know a couple things. I think there are a couple of options on what he's saying here, so let's give it a listen a couple times. You hear his distinctive tone, and then you hear another distinctive tone. Again, I, I don't know that this, this is going to convert very well. And I will tell you, and, and I'm just being honest with you, hearing it broadcast, you lose some fidelity that I'm able to hear when I run it through our processors. And even though I process this, it's still not perfectly clear, but you know enough. And, and here's what I know. He's either saying, I don't have to sign it, right? And again, he's wearing a mask. Or he's saying something like, what am I signing? But he says something after signing. Sign it, signing, and he says something else. At first you think, it's Joe Biden. He's making a joke, except he's not. He's clearly not making a joke. He's not playing to the cameras. And and you know what? If he said that, that's kind of funny. You know what I mean? I mean, if and so Biden is not beyond joking like that. And you know what? I'd laugh with him. I wouldn't be offended by that if he if he had a big ceremony and someone put this thing in front of him and he pulls out the pen and he goes, I don't have to sign it, right? What's this again? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Not, I can laugh with the guy if he has a, a good funny, good goof. But that's not what's happening here. And then the other voice is absolutely Kamala Harris because she's standing right next to him and it's the only voice that could be picked up next to his. It's the only person it could be. She says, just sign it. Okay? That I know is said. So it's just an interesting snapshot that that plays to a narrative that has been out there with mistakes that Kamala has made at, at, at interviews. You know, the Harris-Biden administration, I mean, the Biden-Harris administration, you know, these little jokes about her running the show, policy-wise and so forth, just saying. The sound's not great, but you can find it. I still don't think you can do much with it because he's wearing a mask. And if you could read his lips, you'd get it. You'd, we'd know. But there's something there. 46 after. Show with Preston Scott. Yeah, baby. <laughs> On News Radio 100.7, WFLA.
All righty, it's uh, 52 minutes. We've cleaned up that sound a little bit. We'll try it again next hour if we get the time. But um, no matter what, wow. Just wow. So here we have now a ridiculous impeachment proceeding. Tim Kaine, even Democrat from Virginia, U.S. Senator, said to do a trial knowing you'll get 55 votes at the max seems to me to be not the right prioritization of our time. They have to get 67. They don't have it. 55 max. And that's if the Republicans that voted to proceed with the trial vote for conviction. Rand Paul is correct. There is no constitutionality to doing this to a private citizen. But let's let's say that. He said, obviously, we, if we do a trial. Maybe we can do it fast. But my top priority is COVID relief and getting the Biden cabinet approved. Think about those words. Okay, we'll do a trial, but we'll do it fast. Nothing says justice like we're going to just do it fast. We'll get it done quick. And the guy presiding is in favor of the impeachment. The judge, Pat Leahy, is in favor of impeaching him. So, Kane, along with Susan Collins, the on-again, off-again Republican from uh, Maine, they have another idea. Censure. We're going to maybe, they're floating around the idea. They're talking to colleagues about maybe censure. I don't know if the threshold's the same. I don't know if it's 67 or not. But if you've looked up the definition to government censure, what it basically means is passing a resolution that says, we don't like you. And we don't think your actions were appropriate. Or nanny nanny boo boo. This just in. Headline after censure vote. Members of the swamp don't like former President Donald Trump. Well, how about that? There you go. There you go. That's the way to do it. Makes so much sense, doesn't it? As I said in my commentary, Donald Trump would wear that like a badge of honor. Absolutely, positively would wear that like a badge of honor. So, yeah. censure they can't it's dead on arrival as Rand Paul said but I think there's a bright side to it all I think it would be wonderful for them to go through with a full-fledged trial I mean I think President Joe Biden ought to assign a special counsel and prosecutor and assemble a committee and do some real investigatory work. In other words, do no harm to the nation while they investigate the former president.
And we're back. Or as Charlie Strickland would say, and we're back. Joining me for the second hour on Thursdays is the executive editor of Tallahassee Reports, the website. TallahasseeReports.com, Steve Stewart. Good morning, sir. Good How morning. are you is? I feel really good. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go ahead and break the news no. why you were absent yeah, last hey, week? I just you say, brought a doctor's note. Yeah, yeah. Gallbladders are highly overrated. <laughs> so I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> you had you had an, emer- an emergency procedure, huh? Yeah. So, you know, good, very good service. And um, although I have good insurance, I don't know if that goes hand in hand, but expensive insurance. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it took a week. But, um, yeah, I feel good and um, fortunate. And, hey, it's nice and blustery outside with a yep. full moon. I'm so glad to be here. Let's let's get started talking about the area and, uh, of course, covering the capital city, the region. Um, start with the northeast part of town, some discussions over now, a relocation of the park. Yeah, been a busy week. I mean, city commission meeting, uh, county commission meeting, and uh, also school board. Well, wait, relocation of a park that doesn't exist. Exactly. Okay, go it, ahead. So the northeast park, which, you know, cost somebody his job, I think, you know, if you look at it, was first proposed in 2007, um, way north of town at Proctor Road. And it just sat there because of the Great Recession. It had an issue, never got funded. And then they actually spent some money on some trails out there. Some, uh, um, and But what happened is there's some prescribed burning that takes place in that area because of the plantations out there. And so they decided that to have an active park is probably not a good idea to pe- people to be out there when they're doing the burning. So well, how often do they burn? Uh, you know, I, I listen, that's this is what they're reporting. And so I had heard about this I and mean, I had talked to at that time Commissioner Deloge. And so they were working on trying to get the park moved to Wilani Plantation, which is at the corner, basically the corner of Proctor Road and Centerville Road, mm-hmm. right there where Montford is. And the location turns out to be better. There are a lot of people that weren't really thrilled about the the new the first location. And so so it's a fifty acre park. And they're going to do a land swap. They own the land off of Thomasville Road. So that basically got approved at this past meeting. And, you know, look, it's all on paper. It looks all good. But, you know, the reality is we've been trying to get a park in the Northeast since 2007. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened. And, it, you know, Brian Welch ran a campaign against uh, uh, Brian Deloge, them not getting it done. And so now he gets credit for, you know, at least moving this forward when it was really in the works. And I understand the politics behind it. And this was his big issue. So, but the key vote will come in the next month or so because right now, Preston, it, the park is not due to be funded until 2035. <laughs> so hopefully it will have wheelchair access for you and I. My teenage kids will be able to play baseball. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're talking about somebody, you know, yeah, we're going to go to a park for you, you know, we'll be back. And so anyway, now there is a, a move and the blueprint, the, uh, the blueprint intergovernmental agency to get the funding moved up. So we'll see what happens. It, you know, I've been complaining for the last couple of years that the Northeast has been underserved. Well, of course it has. There's, there's not a city-run gym, which means, you know, after-school programs, volleyball, basketball. That's why the North Northside Community Center really got built by Wildwood Church. Right. Which is, is to try to serve that community. Right. And so, anyway, we'll see what happens on this. But it was a big issue for Brian Welch. And, and you know, it sort of, it sort of fills out the Walani Plantation part of the uh, project there. 
we'll see how it goes. There's more votes to come, but we'll keep you up to date on the funding part of it. A lot of discussion coming our way on homelessness. We had a little chat with the mayor yesterday on that subject. We'll get to that here in just a second, but... Yeah, I think, listen, I think that everybody knows it's an issue. I can talk when we get back about how the Leon County Commission dealt with it. They had an item on their agenda, and very little was spoken, but we can bring you up to date on that. Oh, boy. Not much said, huh? Not much at all. All right. Steve Stewart with me. We've got lots to talk about. Don't leave us. You can always subscribe, get the paper. Remember, there are exclusive stories in the print version that are not originally available online so there's a lot of reasons to subscribe get that paper tallahasseereports.com okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Five minutes and he'll give you something to talk about. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Should hear what we talk about off air. Sound like Germans. <laughs> Steve Stewart with me from town. <laughs> Ah, that will go down as one of Steve's greatest hits. All right, the homelessness problem. Uh, I talked with Mayor John Daly about it. There's no doubt in my mind it's on the radar, but right now there just seems to be nothing happening. Yeah, you know, it's interesting how we got here. And uh, uh, again, as we were talking, this should be public safety. This falls into the range of something that local government should be able to really deal with. We got a $400 million general fund budget between the city and the county. Right. Probably 1,000 homeless people. And the issue is, you know, we've written a story about an exclusive story about the uh, City Walk mission and on uh, Mayhan. And the, the thing about this is, is, is Renee Miller is helping out these homeless people that need help, and they're sheltering, sheltering them there, and they're causing issues with the neighborhood because it really was not a very well-planned rollout. But, I mean, these people need help because the CDC rules evidently don't apply you know, in terms of the, the retail center, but they do apply at the Kearney Center, which is designed to shelter homeless people, but they can't stay there. And so, and we've seen the city try to move them out of uh, Lake Ella. And so, again, they're just distributed all over Leon County. And as you were saying, I mean, there's a portion of these people that really need help. And you would think that our local government, with the resources that we have, would be able to identify those people and get them help. And I think, like you said, everybody knows this is a problem but you know when you don't have a ready solution you don't want to talk about it last uh, on Tuesday Leon County Commission actually had a an item on homeless encampments 
very detailed. Uh, they do detailed agenda, do a really good job of that. But it was on the consent agenda, and it just, you know, it's just there for people to read if they want to. We wrote a story about it, and uh, there was really no substantive discussion except at the end when Christian Dozier, Commissioner Dozier, brought it up, and um, you know, not a lot of back and forth. Um, so I think we are sort of wrestling on how to deal with this right now. But you know, my concern is that is that if you don't deal with it. It becomes acceptable, and you know, like you see a lot of this on the West Coast, and it really well, Seattle is is the poster child for the problem getting out of hand, uh, and then California as well, where squatters literally are sitting in people's front yards, right? And I, and so I think that that's the issue. Um, and again, having said this, you know, I, I want a solution. I don't want to just run these people out of town or arrest them and put them in jail. I understand people down on their luck, people with mental health problems. My question is, this is what we pay tax dollars for. This is what we donate to nonprofits for. So why don't we have a more, I guess, a more consolidated response to an issue that I think you know everybody saw was coming? I mean, once you close a homeless shelter, what's going to happen? Sure. Well, there's three main areas of concern. Obviously, there's the area near Buck Lake and on the east side of town. There's the area on the north side, northeast side of town near Walmart. And then there's North Monroe. And the corridor that that has now been created where, I mean, if you talk to the sheriff and the chief of police, I-10 and North Monroe is a main artery for drugs in and out of this city and region. Yeah, so I'm not sure if you already know that, you know, and that's been known before the pandemic. Sure, absolutely. So why do you take, you know, people that are at risk, homeless people. Vulnerable, big time. And put them in hotels at the worst intersection that you have in, in your county. Right. I mean, I don't understand that. But somebody approved that. I guess maybe it's private sector people doing it. You know, I haven't looked into the details of that, but that's what happened. They moved them from the Kearney Center to hotels at, at Monroe and I-10, which is was already crime-ridden area, right. highest crime, and you put them there. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And so these are, again, basic level decisions that I think local government should be uh, really addressing. What's your hunch on when this becomes an issue that gets the attention of city and county commissioners on an agended item? Yeah, well, I thought it was with Leon County. They, they had an agenda item. I think that um, you know we'll have to go back and look at the tape last night from the city commission meeting. Um, Mayor Daly was supposed to address this. I think when they have some coordinated response is when we'll start hearing talk about it. But it's, I mean, it's just ratcheting up because businesses are complaining. I mean, we're if we're getting calls, I mean, Tyler Supports getting calls from neighborhoods around these areas, and we're seeing it on, you know, social media. I mean, it, it is. Uh, I think when they get a plan they're going to start talking about it i would assume within the next i would say three to six weeks steve stewart with me for one more segment when we come back appointments to a couple of pretty important boards given the status of those boards in our community plus the crime numbers that and more we come back with steve stewart get the paper go to tallahasseereports.com UFLA on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. Hey, so here we go. And iHeart's radio station. Final segment, Steve Stewart, Tallahassee Reports. He's the executive editor. And uh, Steve, the Children's Services... Yeah. Council. It, yeah. So look, you know, they're creating more work for us, which is good. You know, more content. Um, so the Children's Services Council, which passed eight million dollars, is going to go to a board. And the way you get, get the board set up, Leon County is moving quickly. Is there's five entities that make picks, and then there's another five that come from the governor. And the governor gets a list of fifteen from the Leon County Commission, 
And so they this last uh, Tuesday they appointed they took eighty three applications. Each commissioner got two picks, and then the board made one pick. And what they did is they did the one pick first. Mark O'Brien doesn't have enough on his hands, so he's going to be on the, the children. You know, he he made the list. And then, so then they went. So they're not necessarily on the council; they are just on the recommendation. Yeah, the applicants become candidates. Okay. Uh, So out of the eighty-three, so Mark O'Brien got picked, and then they went around, which I thought was interesting because each member had to fess up to who they were nominating. Mm -hmm. What really wasn't nominating; it was their pick. But this was the process: is the chairman Rick Miner, you know, at the very beginning wanted to have he he was trying to figure out a way that you could challenge picks if somebody made the picks, and they're very personal because this doesn't happen very often when. The actual county commissioner is, you know, this is these are my picks. So if you challenge a pick, you're pretty much going after the county commissioner. So there's a little bit of uh, discussion about that, and so they moved around, and and I didn't know where it was going right until uh, Commissioner Bill Proctor made his pick, which was Barney Bishop, who um who has been, you know, uh, is a lobbyist. He's been on the FAMU Board of Trustees, Executive Director, Associated Industries of Florida, which is a big deal, sure, and so. Anyway, the, he was against the Children's Services Council, and they ran ads against it, um, some groups he was associated with. And Bill Proctor was against it, campaigned against it. Yep. And so he made the appointment. Chairman Rick Miner, which I hadn't seen before, I mean, was really adamant that Barney Bishop not be on the list sent to the governor. And he tried to figure out a way to get support for not sending that name. Uh, what ensued was a back and forth. <laughs> Commissioner Proctor, who you know was very, if eloquent. you're in a back and forth with Bill, you're not going to do well. Yeah. So so anyway, <laughs> we're going to try to get some of the audio up. It, it, it eventually ended up being little about nothing because the names got sent forward. But you know the thing with Chairman uh, Miner was that you know I understand his point was you know Barney Bishop wants to be a watchdog. He can do it best from the outside. Well, that's not really his call. It's Bill Proctor's pick. And, you know, it gets this sort of this national trend of not wanting dissent. It sort of had that aura of that. Yeah. You know, because it was clear, not only Mr. Minor, but probably people behind the scenes didn't want Barney Bishop on this board. And so now what happens is the 15 names, there was, I didn't see any other conservatives or people who were against the Children's Services Council, um, but on the list, but now it goes to the governor who will pick five names, I think within 45 days. So we'll, we'll see what happens uh, from that process. And then, so they'll sit the 10 members, they'll vote for an executive directory, and then we'll start talking about conflict of interest and where they're going to spend the money and all that good stuff. Citizens advisory board for the police department. That's a, yeah, that is a independent that this was started during the social unrest, uh, during the summer citizens review board, You mean the summer of love. Summer of Love, they got the Citizens Review Board. This looks like, let me tell you what, this looks like a crew here. The nine names on this, you know, I've had already had some messages from people's Facebook posts who are on there. This will be interesting. Um, um, and so nine members to get this board started. And um, they'll start, I guess it'll be interesting to see what their authority is, what they think their authority is. And, you know, are you uh, suggesting that some of the people on this might not necessarily be pro law enforcement or I mean, what do no, you definitely No, They're definitely uh, defund the police. There's a couple of people on there. I think they're very supportive of defund the police movement. And, you know, again, I think there's some people on there that are, are against that, too. So this is a, a very, I think, a diverse group. OK, it will be interesting to see how they interact. And but it, best as I know, they don't have authority. They can make a recommendation and we go on. Right. But I think that, again, though, 
this is if it's done right. I mean, you can bring some issues up that, sure. that, that get media coverage, as we've seen with the ethics board. Things, things that didn't make it into the media, uh, you know, do with the ethics board because it's official. Well, that's been your contention for years: is get the issue on the table, yeah, and we'll figure out and, how to deal. And with things it. then seem to happen. Yeah. Real quick, crime yeah. stats. Yes. Uh, we're tracking them beginning of the year. The trends are continuing. Arrests are down. Property crime is down. Violent crime is up. Um, that's a trend we're seeing around the country. The question is why? Is it because of the pandemic or is it because police officers are just staying in their car, not patrolling as much, and you know because of the environment? Uh, or is the summer of love emboldened people? Yes. Because of all of those reasons. But we're tracking it like no one else. We're going to continue to do that and you know, we'll try to diagnose exactly what the issue is. Great stuff. Thanks for what you do. Thank you, President. Steve Stewart with Tallahassee Reports. Subscribe. Get the paper. TallahasseeReports.com. Sensei of Sensibility. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Thirty-five minutes after the hour, the morning show with Preston Scott Thursday on the radio program. Grant Allen over there, Studio One A, and I'm here in Studio One B. Joining us on the phone line, Remote Studio One R, is the one and only Bill Zimfer. Hello, Bill. Good morning, Preston. Bill, is it just that the United States Senate has suddenly embraced the idea of mathematics, or what's going on with the impeachment losing a little momentum? Well, yeah, it became very clear this week when Rand Paul uh, introduced a procedural move to uh, say that uh, you could not have a Senate trial on impeachment for a person who's out of office, that it was unconstitutional. Well, that went down to defeat. However, uh, it went down by a vote of 55 to 45, meaning 45 Republicans uh, stayed with the idea that this is unconstitutional. That sent a clear message to Democrats that they in no way have any chance of convicting the president in a Senate trial. They would need uh, 50, uh, they would need 17 Republicans to jump on board with them, and it just won't happen. So that all of a sudden became crystal clear. So the next question is, what happens now? Well, we have some senators who have a different idea. Preston, they say that... uh, they say that maybe we go to a censure. Tim Kaine, the Democrat, Susan Collins, the Republican, are working on a resolution to censure former President Trump. Now, a censure is normally a slap on the wrist, uh, a rebuke of a politician for something they may have done. But uh, in this case, we understand that this resolution may include language from the 14th Amendment. And could prohibit the former president from holding office again. So that's what's moving there. But here's the problem. Nobody's going in the same direction here, Preston. Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, is insistent that there will be a Senate trial on impeachment, even though there, I, I don't even think you could get odds on a conviction of President Trump. There's no chance that he would be convicted. Schumer wants to push ahead with this. You can't have both. Uh, both will not happen. You won't have a Senate trial and then a resolution for censure. Nobody wants to see that. So what we have here, Preston, instead of you know at least having some on the same pathway, we've got a political demolition derby underway in Washington. <laughs> I'm going to shock you. Okay. I agree with Schumer. 
I think there you needs do. yes, sir. I think there needs to be a full trial. I think they need special guests, special appearances, special counsel. I think they need to get uh, Christopher Steele and the dossier uh, writing <laughs> committee back together. Get Adam yeah. Schiff to produce more evidence, like he did the last time. The reason yeah. being, Bill, is if they're produce if they're spending all their time on this, they can't do harm to the nation. Yeah. Well, I, I mean that's one of. <laughs> Okay, I, I see where you're coming from here, Preston. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe Wayne Newton could perform at right? this trial. Yeah. You're getting yeah. the gist of this now. Right. You break out your accordion. <laughs> I, I could I could do Donka Shane. <laughs> yeah, you get the guy with the plates that doesn't have a place to do his thing anymore. You get the ventriloquist. That, you know, yeah. you bring out Rich Little again. Topo Gigio, maybe. There you go. There you go. Oh, so where does are we gonna? Yeah. Are we? When will we know whether we're gonna have a trial or not? Well, a trial is scheduled to begin on February 9th, so time is of the essence here. Either this, uh, this censure idea is, is going to be quickly shot down, or uh, it will pick up steam, and all of a sudden the idea of a trial will disappear. But all that has to happen, Preston, in the next several days. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of time for this to happen. So uh, we'll see whether we get uh, colliding uh, political vehicles in Washington continuing or we start to get something on the right track anyway. Uh, but I think that everybody agrees we need some type of exit here, right? Whether it be a trial that ends up in uh, no conviction or whether it be an attempt at a, a censure. I think somebody says well, there has to be an exit ramp here. Bill, thanks as always. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay, Preston. Bill Zimfer with us on the morning show with Preston Scott. Speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. It's the morning show with Preston Scott on WFLA. Forty-two minutes after the hour, that's the idea. Feeling good, and joining me, Dr. David Hartz, our Optimum Health Naturally segment here on the Morning Show with Preston Scott. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Preston. I'm doing well. Last time you and I talked about water. This time you want to talk about soil. <laughs> well, you know, I want to talk a little bit about what really determines how healthy we are. Um, okay. And you know, I had for years I treated uh, Southern Georgia farmers and. North Florida farmers, and they were really easy to get this concept over to because I would I would go and ask them. I said, you know, what's the most important factor in you having a really healthy crop when you when you you know farm? And they, I said, is it the seed or the soil? And almost every single one would say, well, the seed is important, but the soil is absolutely critical. And they say if you get the you know the the microbes correct, you get the right balance of nutrition, the right toxicity in the soil put the seed in and you actually grow a really, really healthy crop. And, and so that is very much like what our body is. We have about, you know, 30 to 40 trillion cells that are in a kind of a matrix of, of fluid and, and connected tissue that hold these cells. And they really produce the soil in our body that actually produces the environment for, to produce a healthy cell. And, 
And what we do many, many times is we do not uh, do anything and really look at the the soil of our body. We're we're waiting for like unhealthy plants and weeds to come along, and and then we try to pull those weeds or, or take those weeds out, which sometimes we need to, but we don't do anything about the soil that we just pulled the you know the weed or the bad plant out of. And and it's it's an analogy I think that's very helpful to understand that if we do not do something about controlling the health of what we call the term, the medical, well, the medical term or the historical term is biological terrain, which is really the environment that these cells grow in each and every day. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, it's really important to understand that because people are always worried about trying to find, and, 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 and organized medicine is, you know, and standardized conventional medicine does a great job of finding the, the weed and the, the abnormal cells as they grow. But if we do not change actually the environment in which these seeds these seeds can grow or the cells can grow, then we just produce the same old cells over and over and over again. We don't uh, actually improve improve health. So that's the whole really the basis behind really functional integrative medicine, clinical nutrition is we're trying to trying to get good soil, you know, to grow these these cells in, and not wait for just pathology to to occur. For people listening right now. What what would be the most practical starting point for them to take a look at their own soil? Well, I mean, we talk a lot in this segment about, and this is why we do um, talk a lot about decreasing toxicity, eating you know good non toxic food, trying to eat organic as much as you possibly can, stay away from you know synthetics. You know, when you, like when you look at boxes and so forth, you don't want to be eating out of boxes. You want to be eating out the outside of the grocery store, around obviously fresh fruits and vegetables and and eat good food. You know, the more we eat commercialized stuff that we have, we read on boxes that we can't understand any of the chemical names that are on the boxes. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand what it is when you read it, then you don't eat it. You know, that's the, really the best rule. And uh, it's it, it. This does make a difference, and it's a slow process of having your soil turned to something that produces abnormal cells. But it it does happen, and if you don't do it, you end up with unhealthy bodies. And so. I just wanted to kind of reiterate that concept that uh, we need to get to the soil and, and, and see how healthy we can get our bodies by actually changing that environment. Good stuff, Dr. Hartz, as always. Thanks so very much. We'll talk again in a couple weeks. Okay, Preston. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Dr. David Hartz with us this morning. 46 minutes after the hour, David Allen joins us next hour. U.S. Senator Marco Rubio joins us next hour on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Known as Mr. Know It All. 
The Morning Show with Preston Scott. News Radio 100.7 WFLA. A lot of interest in uh, the hot mic that picked up Joe Biden signing an executive order. Now, again, we've scrubbed it the best we can to get as clear a sound as possible. Let's just give it a quick listen here. And again, this is really tough. He's wearing a mask. No mic directly there. There are just cameras. There's video rolling. Kamala Harris is standing directly to his left as he's at the Resolute Desk. Everyone's talking about the Resolute Desk. Isn't that interesting? The Resolute Desk has made an appearance in the lexicon of America all of a sudden. It's been there for a term or two. Not since Nicolas Cage made it famous, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so so here's the sound. And, again, it doesn't convert on radio great. You distinctly hear the tone, it's Joe Biden, and then it's Kamala Harris. Now, I think what he's saying is, I don't have to sign it, right? Or some people think he's saying, what am I signing? But he says something after signing. It's either sign it or signing, and he says something else. So I don't know what that would be if, what am I signing, blank. What I, I, I can't think of a word that makes sense there, but... Here's the interesting part. He's not joking. If you look at the video, he is absolutely not, he's not making a joke, which would have been funny. I mean, if a president, I don't care who the president is. You know, it it could be my least favorite president ever, Barack Obama. If Obama had had a signing ceremony and he gets that booklet, very formal binder that has the resolution or whatever it is that he's signing and he looks up at the cameras and he cracks a wry smile and says i don't have to sign this right that's funny i i think that's funny i don't care who says it does it that's funny it's like there are people that i personally don't think a lot of like jim carrey they makes me laugh it's funny that would be funny but joe wasn't doing that He was not, President Biden was not making a goof. He wasn't having a laugh. And right next to him is Kamala Harris. And that is definitely the other voice on tape heard saying, just sign it. And it is a lot easier to hear in your studio. There's there's a big difference between what we hear right now and when I walked into your studio. It was a lot clearer. It is. There's just, there's not much more I can do with it. But we can't read lips because they're both wearing their masks. Fair enough. It just feeds the narrative because she absolutely does say, just sign it. And I think she says, just sign it, okay? It feeds the narrative that Joe is doing what he's told. And I feel bad for Joe. I feel bad because he wanted to be president so badly that I personally think he surrendered all personal dignity to do it. That's just my opinion. I could be absolutely 100% wrong. I also could be 100% right. 
it very well could be because again it 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 made no sense for Joe to pick Kamala. I think Kamala was picked for Joe. I think the calculus was very clear from the beginning and I predicted it. I predicted that when Joe was the nominee, I predicted that he would have a female vice president. Perhaps a person of ethnicity that could be counted as a credit to the Democrat Party. And in this case, they chose the single most extreme progressive in the United States Senate. Fair enough. That's their right to do. But what we're watching now, just sign it. It feeds the narrative. We'll see. Time for news. David Allen next. go hour number three the morning show with preston scott day nine of the siege show number four thousand three hundred and ninety seven it is thursday january the 28th grant allen over there in studio 1a i'm here in studio 1b and joining me on the phone line from a remote location somewhere in the hills of north carolina no relation to the producer in Studio 1A, but his name is David Allen. David, welcome back to the program. How are you, buddy? I have no idea why you have me up this early just so you can talk to me. We can talk during the day. I have no idea why you want me on the air. You've told me nothing, absolutely nothing about what we're going to talk about. So I'm completely unprepared but yet i'm in a jovial mood well why should our phone visit be any different than any other morning we were working together on the morning show you're right it's all about me (laughs) that's why it's called the morning show with preston scott featuring Featuring. uh formerly featuring And, and, and this morning technically that's true that is true see i made your dream come true (laughs) <laughs> oh, I can die in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, how did you how was the, the battle go with COVID for you? Uh, uh, well, I won. Well, no kidding. <laughs> because I'm still here. Right. Thank God. Um it, it it didn't it was a it was a hard-fought battle. Uh at least I won the war. It was I don't know what you're asking specifically. Well, just kind of share with everybody, you know, because we hear different things from different people. Everybody's different in their response to COVID. Some people get, you know, oh, by the way, I got COVID and there there's no symptoms. Maybe they get a right. scratchy throat or maybe they get a little bit of a fever or whatever. What, what did you face? Well, mine started with a, a cough and then... I lost all of my energy. It was like uh, the flu on steroids, okay. which is basically what COVID is. So uh, I was very weak, uh, and uh, I've never experienced so much uh, foggy-headedness, if I can use that phrase, mm-hmm. 
uh, and, and I'm and I'm pretty foggy headed on a regular basis. <laughs> I mean, this felt like somebody had hit me with a with a bat. I mean, I was just addled, and I I just would stare at the TV and not <laughs> not really not really watching. You're just watching. looking at it. Oh yeah, it was. A, oh look, the pretty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, and I was so weak, and it was it was basically just uh, two weeks in bed of that, and a third week after that, trying to move around the uh, the house and everything, and, and uh, try and clear my head. But uh, it took a fourth week for that to to uh, completely, or at least almost completely, clear up, and then. From there on, I experienced different highs and lows. It was a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride, yeah. Uh, because I had some lingering issues. I I became what they call a long hauler, and uh, but now I don't uh, I don't experience any uh, any leftover symptoms. So you're so still tasting food. You can still smell food. You can you know you haven't had any 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 of the other things that some I people deal with. I, I did lose, and that's the one thing that I have discovered that most people will agree on as a as a symptom. Hmm. What's that? We all lose our sense of taste and smell. Really? And so you did yeah. for a period of time? I did, yes. Okay. You know, so you're trying to eat pizza to make yourself feel better. It's a comfort food for me. Sure. You know, and, you know, into your fourth pizza, you're a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> I I just sleep with it. I you know it's a real comfort food for me. That's why I like those stuffed crusts, man. It's a great pillow. Look at that! Your first joke of the year. Mm, I don't. I that might be my first joke ever. Um, David, stand by. David Allen with us. He knows how this works. Ten minutes after the hour, seventy second check of weather and traffic. He's the one that yelled at me once when I said sixty seconds. He said, "No, it's 70. 76. See, this is an homage to David. David Allen on the program on The Morning Show. The Morning Show with Preston Scott. And I live in a van down by the river. On News Radio 100.7, WFLA. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. David Allen. Former producer of the morning show with Preston Scott, good friend of mine and all of yours on the show here. Unless you're new. Now, if you're new to the show, you have no idea who David is. But that's yeah, okay. Those, those those three people that have just started listening. That's exactly right. Over the past year, don't know who I am. Yeah, we've we've uh, we we we've got to reintroduce them to you gradually. So, let, oh, yeah, let, you can only take so much of me at one time. Well, yeah, let, let's do this. Before we get to a kind of a lightning round of things I want to ask you, how oh, did my. how did Christmas go? Because you were you were getting some gigs 
And you told me that you were going to be a virtual Santa Claus for a mall in Scottsdale. How'd that work out? Well, it was wonderful. I, I built my own little uh, studio. And uh, well, is that where is that the videos that you were sending that we put on Facebook before I stopped doing Facebook? Exactly. Exactly. That that was my little studio that I had built, and okay. then I would go live to Scottsdale. And uh, a, a organization called Santa Calls, and uh, the kids would come into to the little uh, Santa area. It was a uh, it was a, it was a small building that they had outside, and that the uh, kids would be able to walk into. And then I was there on the screen, live and in person. Okay, and, uh, and so kids got to talk to uh, to Santa anyway uh, this year, but it had to be virtual. What mall was I that? Absolutely. Uh, da, 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 da. You would ask me that. Uh, it, it wasn't Scottsdale Fashion Square, was it? Uh, no, it was. Uh, it was. It's an outside mall area, uh, actually, where the uh, the Coyotes play. Okay. The hockey team. Okay. Wow. So, did you enjoy that? I I loved it. I really did because I found that you know kids are just a joy no matter if it's in person or it's virtual you you get to act as santa claus and there's nothing on this earth better than that let's segue now in the direction that i want to take us in the final segment when we visit you have been doing kind of a facebook live thing from time to time are you doing that every day at nine o'clock or or are you doing it occasionally i was doing it I was doing it every day at nine o'clock following your show, uh, but I ended that for the same reasons that you don't uh, stream live on Facebook anymore either. That's what I was going to get to. I, I was wondering if the actions of Facebook and Twitter and the social media oligarchs out there had impacted you and caused you to change your mind on that. Uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, I ended the uh, Facebook show uh, quite abruptly. <laughs> I I apologize to the folks that may be listening that also watched that uh, I did that, but uh, I felt it was necessary. I quit Twitter, uh, went to Parler. They shut us down. Um, I say us as in conservatives. Sure. And um, I'm back on Twitter just so I can tell folks how I feel about the fact that uh, – our uh, rights are being infringed. Have you found other sites that might be like we're we're working with Rumble on maybe doing the show live on Rumble? No, oh, nice. They haven't gone with a I, live channel yet, but that's what they're working towards so that you can broadcast live on Rumble. Obviously, you got to find out if they're going to be inserting ads in the middle of a good speech, you know, that kind of thing. Cuz I don't want to <laughs> yeah, have no, that I haven't well, I, I just you, you don't want to have that moment of inspiration to have it be cut off by, you know, some ad for you know, lumber, whatever. It'd be more likely an ED ad. <laughs> David. Oh, my gosh. David Allen with me. We're going to go with lightning round in the next segment. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going three segments, buddy. Because I got, I got important things to talk about. We're going to segue now to current events. Okay. 
Okay. Look, I'm not asking real personal questions here. You should be you should be good with this. I am. I'm good. Okay. Stand by. David Allen with me on the morning show with Preston Scott. FLA on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox, and Sonos. This is crazy! And iHeart's radio station. Time for a lightning round with David Allen with me this morning on the morning show with Preston Scott. And so, David, first, did North Carolina suffer any of the indignities and embarrassments that we found in other states? Yes. Uh, Trump ended up carrying the state, but we <laughs> we had enacted uh, this rule that uh, we, we could accept mail-in ballots seven days past the uh, the supposed deadline. Did the legislature pass that, or did the governor or the secretary of state just do that arbitrarily? Uh, You know, I wish I knew that answer for you. Uh, I will just say I don't know at this point. I I became so disgusted with it that I just threw up my hands and said, well, okay, at least he carried the state. So I won't get into it, and I focused on Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. Your predecessor, Eric Eggers, wrote a book. He talked on it all over the country, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election. Do you think they did? Yeah, the book's called Fraud. And yeah. um, it's a great book, and uh, I I do believe that it – let me put it this way. I, I'm, I'm going Rand Paul on you here. Okay. Uh, at least it looks as though we need to have the discussion and look into it. But, yeah – in short, I believe that there was election fraud. I absolutely know there was election fraud. I know that there were violations of a process. I just don't know if it cost Trump the election. Exactly. And that's why we need to have the discussion. Yeah. Uh, maybe even an investigation. Like, what were those chicks doing in Atlanta yes. with the suitcases? What do you think they were doing? Uh, well, the conspiracy theorist in me says, you know, they were bringing in ballots <laughs> at 4 a.m. I want to know. I just that's all I care about these days it, you, is the truth, because you find so little of it and you have to dig so hard just to find it these days. Former President Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Does he form a new party? And if he does, is that the best thing to do? He probably does form a new party. I wish that he wouldn't because I believe it would be ego-driven as uh, a lot of or most things that he does are ego-driven. And uh, people are not going to like me for saying that. But uh, if the Republican Party is not going to reform and, and and be what they're supposed to be, then I think there needs to be a, a conservative party. And we may have to suffer for a while before that party becomes strong enough to actually win an election somewhere. Do you remember my but idea, the, with, the, the, the United States party, the party of us? Right. But either whatever you want to call it. You're gonna have you're gonna have a period where the Democrats are gonna win everything. Yeah, they will. If you're if you're willing to suffer through that, 
Would because there, your votes are split, but would there, eventually you'll come out with a victory, I think. But, David, would there be a constitutional republic left to win an election, or would the oh misdeeds be codified in law to where you'd never have a chance of winning another election? Right. We may be too far down the line to ever get things back in order. Let me ask you this. I got U.S. Senator Marco Rubio coming on in about eight minutes. What if Donald Trump primaries Senator Rubio? Uh, not for me. Don't agree with that idea or tactic? Uh, no, I, I just don't think I could support that. Okay. That's why we're having this in-depth conversation, just kind of getting your, your thoughts here. And uh, and then Joe Biden said in October that ruling by executive order makes one a dictator. I saw that. <laughs> saw that. Saw that video last night, and then the, he he goes and, and signs more uh, orders than uh, any previous president, including Donald Trump. Well, you know, you got to be known for something, I guess. And hairy legs just isn't enough. <laughs> he does have hairy legs. And they turn blonde in the sun. I know. And I I used to rub them when I was a kid. (laughs) Still skeeves me out just a bit. (laughs) My friend, good to to hear your voice. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. You have a great day. All right. David Allen, former producer of The Morning Show with Preston Scott, 27 after the hour. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Someone has to say it. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. All right, 35 minutes after the hour, The Morning Show with Preston Scott, scheduled to have U.S. Senator Marco Rubio with us. Maybe you'll call. Maybe you won't. We'll see. I'm not holding my breath. We do our best to get this stuff done, but uh, it's always on the on the members of Congress to find that time, and sometimes they get it, and sometimes they don't, and sometimes other things take precedent. I don't, I just, after doing about, oh, I don't know, 10, 12,000 interviews, I just roll with the punches. We're always ready no matter what happens. Big story in the press box today President Joe Biden, the installed president of the United States, 
Notice the terminology. Thank you very much. The installed president of the United States considering a mandatory COVID test requirement for domestic air travel. Obviously, that will uh, further hinder the recovery of the airline industry, although I'm sure it will make some people feel much, much better. You've got the president signing an executive order to ban the term China virus or Chinese virus. So he's got a committee set up. This obviously a big priority for the new president to make sure that we don't use any xenophobic terminology inside HHS. Department of Health and Human Services cannot say China virus or Chinese virus, and that is a big priority. I'm not sure if it would be a big priority for our guest, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio. Senator, how you been, sir? It's been an interesting week. Why? What's been going on? <laughs> well, I mean, I think this week, uh, I mean, the guy that told us that we didn't need masks in March now says we need to wear two of them if we can. Uh, we learned that uh, climate change, not COVID, is the most immediate public health threat facing the country. Just like COVID, we learned that in order to address it, we have to put thousands of people out of work right away. And we learned that if individuals get together online and buy stocks that are being manipulated by hedge funds, they're might even be white supremacists for doing that. So I guess other than that, it's okay. Yeah, not much going on. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, if that's the first seven days, I can imagine the next seven. So let, let's let's chart a path forward. What does that look like? Well, I mean, I think our, we're in a position to do the following. Uh, the first is I think we've got to fight really hard to stop a lot of bad things from happening. We have the ability to do that. Like They, they can do something to reconciliation with 50 votes and so forth. But as long as, as we can stop things, uh, bad things from happening, I think that's our number one priority. The other is ultimately two years from now we've got to win some elections, and we have a real chance to pick up the House, to pick up the Senate, and, and go from there. But, uh, but you know, there are obviously going to be some consequences for having lost in Georgia, and we just got to do the best we can. And, you know, also with the nominees, you know, we've got to hold them accountable. And look, public pressure works in a lot of these cases as well in terms of what we're focusing on. And, you know, it remains to be seen what the direction this administration is going to go. The first seven days have not been promising. It's kind of not been a checklist of radical left things. What I, de- what I can't tell you is whether these are the things he's doing now to build up political capital for the deals he's going to have to make later on COVID relief and things like that, or, or whether this is the trend line we're going to see for the entire administration. But, um, you know, we, uh, we've got our work cut out ahead of us, but, but people are paying attention and they're watching, and, and some of the things we warned about happening are, are happening. And, um, and I think it, uh, you know, we, we've got to now do the best we can within our system to try to stop those bad things from happening. Senator, just stand by. We've got to take a quick break. Got you in a little bit late. 70 seconds, weather and traffic back with a few more minutes. U.S. Senator Marco Rubio with me this morning on The Morning Show. when you thought you were right the morning show with preston scott on news radio 100.7 wfla 40 minutes after the hour we're never gonna have enough time so we're gonna make the best of it u.s senator marco rubio with us this morning senator what's the balance point covid relief versus adding to the debt bailing out states that have crippled their own economy through their own actions how do we find that sweet spot? Yeah, so I think the sweet spot is the following, and that is that it will cost us money in the long term and the midterm and the short term if we don't do something to prevent 
architectural damage, you know, structural damage to the economy, because it could take industries years to come back. I think we also have the reality that, um, you know, the government here has ordered people not to work or not to open businesses. So it's it's the it's the sort of the equivalent of a taking, where you tell someone what they can do with their private property. Well, I think the tipping point for me is is when you start saying, well, here's an opportunity to spend a bunch of money and do a bunch of things that have nothing to do with COVID or are tangentially related to COVID. So no matter how you feel about increasing the minimum wage, that's not a COVID measure. You know, no matter how you feel about uh, what we should be doing about climate change, that that's not a COVID measure. And and that's what I think we have to really keep an eye out on is when you try to add things to it, like in fact bailing out states and local communities who have been spending money for a long time to begin with, who already had a pre-existing debt, and now see this is an opportunity to get bailed out. That has to be the line, and um, and I, and I that's what I hope you know that we can. Uh, make some progress on. What we don't know yet is, are the Democrats decided that they're going to do this to reconciliation and just ram it down our throat, or are they going to you know, try to work out a partisan deal? And that remains to be seen. Yeah, you're more optimistic than I am. I don't think it remains to be seen. He's already the uh, the Senate, quote, majority leader, maybe he is, maybe he isn't, Chuck Schumer, already recommending that Joe Biden bypass Congress using emergency powers as it relates to climate. He's also advancing the idea of packing the court. Now, yep. you have you have raised some legislation on that. Senator, with all due respect, why wasn't that done when the Republicans held a firm majority in the Senate? Well, I, I, I tried. As far back as 2019, I filed a constitutional amendment to uh, prevent packing the court. And um, Were you, and you laughed that, at? Uh, Were your colleagues just saying, ah, oh, that's ridiculous, Marco, come on? Well, not necessarily. Again, I think part of it was there was a lot of other things going on that, that took priority over it. I've refiled the same bill again. Obviously, with the Democrats uh, picking up both, it's going to be harder to pass it. And I think there was always the view that the House would never put that on uh, anyway. But but it's something we certainly need to pr- point to. But the president's already started, you know, staffing a commission to do that. And on the first point about emergency, you know, using emergency powers, look. A couple of years ago, I took some grief because I voted against one of the budget measures where the President Trump took money out of the military and used it for the, for the wall. And I, I was for the wall, I just, and I thought there was a bunch of other places to take the money from. I said, that's a bad precedent. What's going to happen? I said it, quote, in a couple of years, and the Democrats' president at some point in the future, they're going to say, we have a climate emergency. We're going to take money out of the military and use that for climate. And that's what's going to happen. That's where we're headed now. And they're going to point to the Trump precedent to justify it. So it was uh, now they may have done it anyway, but the point being is that that's the precedence we set, and sometimes you know, uh, you know, those are bad things. So we're, we're looking at that now and, and seeing that as a real possibility. I, I think you know you're seeing that they're teeing it up. They are arguing climate change is one of the most significant national security challenges we're facing, and um, I think the next step is going to be let's take money out of the military and pour it into climate change initiatives. The elections. I think any conservative understands the importance of federalism and the states controlling things. But is there an argument now to be made with what just happened that the the federal portion of a ballot has got to be handled in a standardized way that has transparency and a limit on mail-in balloting? Yeah, I, I'm more open to that than I was before. Um, look, my concern always is that once you open that door, at some point in the future, just like I was talking about future unintended consequences, sure. some Democratic majority is going to say, well, here's our chance to pass a law that makes it mandatory to vote, or you get fined. It makes mandatory reg- automatic registration for everybody on their 18th birthday. Um, we're going to control elections and centralize the way that they're counted and so forth. So there's always that risk. The flip side of it is you've got these national elections of great importance that are being decided 
based on individual states, some of whom are ignoring their own laws. In essence, the legislature will pass a law, but then they figure out a way through the courts uh, to go around that law. That's what we saw happen in multiple states like Pennsylvania. In Georgia, frankly, they just the, the Secretary of State was sued by Stacey Abrams and entered into an agreement, you know, settled out of court and went around the law. And, and what happens is this fraud is very difficult to prove, nearly impossible in, in, in many cases, certainly in the three-week period you have after a presidential race. That's why these laws are so important. But even if fraud is not occurring, it's important for public confidence. We have seen what happens when questions are raised about the legitimacy of an election. And we're going to have a lot of close elections in this country for the foreseeable future. U.S. Senator Marco Rubio with me for a couple more minutes. You mentioned the importance of the Republicans picking up seats in two years in the House and the Senate. We know Raphael Warnock's seat is back up in two years. He gets to just have two years in the, in the Senate. Senator, what about the future of the GOP? There are a lot of people that feel like the party just doesn't get it. They've not learned the art of messaging. They've not learned the art of getting ahead of things. And and how do we, I mean, is there truth to that in your perspective? Well, I think there's truth to the following, and that is that I think one of the great contributions Donald Trump made to the Republican Party is he's taught people how to fight and fight back. Now, I'm not going to try to be him. No one should try to be him because Everyone, you know, he's he, him. He's got his own style, and it works for him. It would, really, anybody else is doing it would be a poser. But I certainly think that you have learned that no matter what we do as Republicans, for example, the mainstream media is never going to be fair or like us. We can spend all the time we want trying to get them impressed by us. It isn't going to happen. That isn't our audience. Agreed. It doesn't need to be our audience. Uh, and the, the second is we shouldn't be afraid to call out the bias that exists. And the bias is not based on facts. It's based on narrative. The narrative every single day from the media is, look what's happened. This is terrible or something terrible the Republicans did. And, uh, and it's consistent. We've got to view it. I always laugh. You know, Cory Booker and other senators that ran for president never even made it to Iowa. I had the third most delegates in 2016. I'm a failed candidate for president. They're a former candidate for president. So that's where you see the bias and in, in the, in the nuance of the things they pick and say. So that's the first thing we learn. I think the second is we've become a class of working, a party of working class people, of people that work for a living every single day. We're not the party of Wall Street. We're not the party of big business. That's where our base is. We need to be their voice. We need to fight for them. If we try to go back to the party of 2012 and 20, 2008 that represents and, and is the voice of Wall Street and investors and so forth, uh, we're going to have big political problems because those folks are only with us on tax reform. Everything else, they're against us. And uh, look, I'm not trying to demonize them. They're, they're, it's a legitimate business, but that's not who we should be fighting for. 30-second answer, got to go. Are you at, do you have any concern of being primaried by Donald Trump? Well, I don't know about concerns. I think you have to assume that you're going to be primaried. And Florida is a very competitive state. We live in an uncertain political time. The way I view it is you've got to get ready to, to run a tough campaign no matter who else decides to run. I don't own the Senate seat. I have to earn it every six years. I have to fight for that seat. That's what I intend to do. And ultimately, the voters will decide. And, you know, and, uh, and, and life will go on. Either I'll serve or I'll go back to my family and be a private citizen. But I'm prepared for a tough fight no matter what. Senator, thanks for the time. I hope we can get you back again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. U.S. Senator Marco Rubio with me this morning on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Brought to you by Barino Heating and Air. It's The Morning Show 180 on WFLA. 
Yeah, I kept that uh, interview segment with U.S. Senator Marco Rubio a little late. He called in a little bit late, and so I wanted to maximize the time because it's been a minute since we've had him on the show. Uh, I have assurances we'll get him on a little bit more frequently. You can always count on Senator Rubio being very, very prepared. I remember interviewing him years ago when he was driving his kids to school, and the guy just nailed policy after policy, and I can tell you he's not looking at a briefing book while he's driving his kids to school. He just knows. He knows the issues. Uh, I still think very, very highly of him. I know that some of you uh, don't, but I think he's very well-prepared and well-versed, and uh, clearly, if former President Trump were to decide to primary him, uh, he would take on the challenge. But he also acknowledged the virtues of Donald Trump as president. Certainly got a lot done policy-wise. Today was an exercise in, wow, Uh, President Biden just, again, do as I say, not as I do. You know, He talks about not being a dictator and ruling by executive order, and he sets a record for executive orders. He'll excuse that by saying he was just undoing the orders of, yeah, whatever. His his executive orders are costing us tens of thousands of jobs. Just know that. Tomorrow, what's the beef Friday? Tom McCubbin will join us, a little backyard help. FSU men's basketball coach. They might be the hottest team in the nation. FSU men's basketball. Leonard Hamilton joins us tomorrow as well. In the meantime, Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, follow. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.